Hello and welcome to Here There Be Monsters, the new Space 1999 podcast. <laughs> Sorry guys, actually it's another episode of the wonderful... Now... Pumpods destroy. But this time, I'm going to be your host because my two fellow conspirators, conspirators have got loads of great takes on this episode. The third season episode, Spectre of the Gun, which is a massive episode. It resonates on many level, levels for me, and I'm sure it does for my friends here. Mm, you know, and, and unfortunately, this was the time when... Uh, NBC had Star Trek on the chopping block and I think that you can probably see throughout the whole of the season there was a lot of despondency that probably came in and I actually think in this episode probably uh, an interesting episode there's a lot of despondency especially from some of the uh, performances as well because it was actually the first episode in production even though it was a six episode actually broadcast. Uh, it's quite interesting because also um, the theme of this episode is the gunfight at the OK Corral, um, which was the time when this was broadcast, which was Halloween. Now, we've had previous Halloween episodes, which uh, uh, some did well, some did bad. And I actually think that this one, even though it's a Western episode, there is a, there is a haunting theme throughout this. Um, as well as what happened to the uh, production because of the the instigation by NBC and moving this to a graveyard slot on 10 o'clock on Fridays. Uh, and so it's quite apt that the Enterprise crew end up in Tombstone. <laughs> you know. Anyway, I've actually given you the whole thing already, so we should finish this episode now. Uh, actually, I was going to ask the guys here, I mean, when was the first time you actually saw these, this episode? Uh, I think I was quite late to this one. I think this one I seem to remember quite clearly from the rerun that BBC Two did in the mid-80s, uh, and I hadn't seen it before, so, uh, so that would have been mid-teens at the time. Did you see it in colour or black and white? I saw it. I saw. I I, I remember them all in colour. Uh, I don't remember watching them in black and white because we were flashed and we had colour telly when I was young. So there. Uh, but yeah, I, I saw this. Uh, uh, yeah, probably in my my, my mid teens, and that was when BBC Two were doing all the episodes in order. Uh, so it it was quite, and I think they were done on production order as well, rather yeah. than original air date order. So this would have come out. This would have been the first season three episode that they actually came out with. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, no, no. Thank you, but 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 I had to go back to the memory banks there for a moment. But no, because they they actually started with Spock's brain for the third season. Ah. Unless it's a different repeat. But I think it's the same repeat run we're yeah. talking about, the mid-80s repeat, yeah. which is when I okay, first came to Spectrum mm. of the Gun. Mm. And it was Spock's brain that was. So, yeah, no, they, they didn't do them in, in production, sadly. Mm. Because if you remember when they were all the, way, all the way back to that, they did the man trap. They started off with yes. the man trap. And thinking, God, no, you shouldn't start with the man trap because it's a really boring episode. <laughs> but, anyway. in, but a fascinating episode nonetheless, and a very different episode. And sets up season three very well, I think. 
tells you more about what's to come, I think, apart from the fact that it's going to go downhill from here. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, interesting ideas, interesting concepts, maybe not executed in the best way. And I think, it, as far as that's concerned, pretty much sums up season three. We mentioned a lot of the time bottle episodes. Is this a bottle episode? Well, I mean, a bottle episode is usually associated with it using pre-existing sets. <laughs> um, and so in that, in the strictest possible way, no, it's not a bottle episode in that because it's not set entirely on the Enterprise. But it is pretty much set on a single soundstage. Um, and, and so you could, you could conceivably call it a bottle episode in the same way that you could, you could, you could call um, The Squire of Gothos a bottle episode, an episode that we did fairly recently, which reminds me, I haven't heard this, when I rewatched uh, Spectre of the Gun last night, it reminded me of, of, of Squire of Gothos in that respect, in terms of its production. So yeah, so, so yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, in terms of it being, being filmed on pretty much a single set, then it could well be a bottle episode. It's a returning concept that we talk, to, talk about in, the, in season three, where the best episodes are the ones that work with the restrictions that they've got rather than against them. And, and this is a prime example of it, uh, Spectre of the Gun. But in many ways, it hamstrings it as well because of the characterisation of the non-core group. You don't get someone like Trelane in this. You don't get someone who is a strong uh, guest character. All of the characters who are in here are as lacking in dimension as the sets. And of course, that, that, that fits in very well because you don't want rounded characters if you've only got very flat concepts of, of, of a set rather than going out to a full ghost town or a full rendition of, of Tombstone. I think that, that where I think, I think actually in many ways that one of the strengths of the episode is that it utilises the ensemble yeah. really well because it doesn't have that, as you said, it hasn't got that, 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 that figurehead villainous character or a guest star. It obviously it does have it has numerous guest stars, but they all tend to yeah as you said and, and, and there's no one sort of like villain if you like or antagonist who sort of like comes forward, um, but in fact the protagonists you know are are the cast are the are the are the regular cast are Kirk Spock yeah, McCoy Scotty Chekhov and this is a great Chekhov episode and, very much yeah. and I'm a big fan of Chekhov and he doesn't get enough obviously you know because he's one of the minor characters he never really got that much to do and in this episode he gets tons to do and, and he does it really really well I like the idea about what you're saying this is quite like um, you know the, 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 the Trelane episode that we've had because this episode does seem to have a feel of a you know, and it does help with the, as you said, the, the actual scenery, you know, could be on the stage somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know. And they don't shy away from it. It's, it's part of the story. It's part of the concept, isn't it, of the, uh, the, um, the surrealist nature of, 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 of the narrative, isn't it? Well, it's, it's great because it is so surreal. I mean, the, the, the colour scheme makes it really extremely surreal. I actually watched it in black and white first. Because I remember these used to be in black and uh, well, sorry, I had a black and white television when I was younger. I'm a little bit older than you by a hundred years, but we had a black and white TV well into the 80s actually. And when I saw this the first time round, 
Um, it was very much similar. It was very similar to a lot of the westerns that I was watching anyway, you know. Um, and one of those big westerns was Gunfight at the Oak Corral. So I already had that relationship with the narrative of it. And I, we've we've mentioned before, before we actually did this podcast, that Gunfight at the Oak Corral is one of the big myth stories that is known by probably everyone in America. So it, it resonates really, uh, you know, uh, massively um, with, the, with the States um, because it is their own mythology, rather like, you know, unlike, you know, their, their history is still only like 200 years old. So obviously these sort of stories really stood out and probably were very impactful. But being from my generation, growing up and our generation, we also were quite used to sort of westerns and stuff like this. And in fact, probably the first time I actually saw Deforest Kelly was in Gunfight at the OK Corral, the 1957s movie. You know, so it was it was it was meta before it was meta. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and as you said, Terry, it was a, a great Chekhov episode because having the junior member of, of the cast playing quite a big role in a, a, only a 45-minute episode, um, you know, really stood out at the time. Well, yeah, because it, it feels like an early season, first early, early first season episode of Star Trek in that respect, where in those earlier episodes there was that sense of ensemble. Um, and you've got Sulu and Janice Rand and you know Uhura getting far more involved in 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 those episodes. And this episode felt a little bit more like like that. Obviously, Chekhov wasn't around in those in those ones, but it's still the same vibe that you're getting. <clears throat> and in addition to the fact that the, they're using that soundstage, and it 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 reminds me visually of Squire of Gothos. That this episode reminds me of a of a, of an early first season episode. Um, and also the fact that it's, this is a Gene Kuhn story, uh, obviously writing under a pseudonym of Lee Cronin, but Gene Kuhn, who is one of the, as we know, as we discussed on many occasions on this podcast, is one of the fathers of, of, of original Star Trek, who really got Star Trek. And you can see it also, in, like, in the, even in the end, there, there's still time for them to have a little epilogue section at the very, very end of the movie, where Spock and McCoy and and Kirk exchange sort of like sum up the themes of the episode kindly for the audience, you know, um, which is very much a, a, a season one thing and was gradually phased out in seasons two and, and, and almost completely absent in season three. Um, and so for me, that was the thing that struck me the most about the most recent rewatch is how much it reminded me of old school season one. But as Graham pointed out while we were walking on our way here, if this had actually been a season one episode, then this would have been filmed on a Paramount lot and it would have been a full cast and it would have been a full set. So it would have been very different visually, wouldn't it? Yeah, totally. It would have been set in a in a rendition of Tombstone rather than working with the limitations they had of just having these, these very sort of flimsy uh, facades of, of the buildings. And, and I think it works really well. The, the whole visual nature of the clock just hanging in midair rather than being on a wall. Um, and the fact that they, they just move into a different part of the world rather than walking into a building and then all of a sudden the music starts playing and you're in a bar. And it's a very evocative scene, that. where the, and, and it is excellent stagecraft by the, by the ensemble to, make, to carry it off. I also had a feel that it was an Outer Limits episode. Yeah. 
It's, it's got that, that thing. Yeah, it's got, it's it's got Outer Limits. It's got, it's got uh, Twilight Zone. It's, it's got a bit of time tunnel in so there as a, well. It's so. a fairground ride. It yeah. feels like a fairground yeah, 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 ride. Very much, where, yeah, very much. Where things only start to happen when, you, when, the, when the carriage moves into a certain part of the, of the fairground and then things start to animate. And and it's and is there, there's a there's a you know there's a bit of Dali in there I suppose you want to look deep enough as well I mean I don't know whether or not and all because they didn't have any money yeah. but the odd thing is is about it and I find that really odd about the Spectre Gun is that is that it, it, by accident it resembles a, a, a first season episode but had it been a first season episode it would have looked more like the Return of the Archons or something like that yeah you know. And and it would have been completely different in, in, in visual experience. And and but and I and I love it and I love it more so I thoroughly enjoyed the rewatch. It's been years since I'd watched the Spectre of the Gun. And I watched it yesterday, uh, quite late last night, after a couple of glasses of wine, and really, really enjoyed it and, and, and got an awful lot more of it than I than I thought it was. I, I can see how it would leave people cold though. Because mm. it it is entirely based on the interaction of the uh, of the ensemble. And in many ways, it, it it treats them like you've never seen an episode of Star Trek before in yeah. certain respects. Um, yes, they forget I'm, I'm half Vulcan. Would, would they really have forgotten that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, know. No. So there are things like that in there. The, 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 I the, quite like that scene. No, it, it, yeah. It's a nice scene and it's a, it plays out well. It, and, mm. it, and it, had this been the first ever episode, it would have probably worked, worked well and, and, and you could probably allow that. Um, but because the um, the the extra cast, the, the 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 guest stars they bring in are pretty much um, you know glorified extras. <laughs> they, they they there is that there, there is that something missing that that um, that you you would get out of other episodes. Yeah. And, but I think that that what I say I the. It, it would be easy to dislike this episode. I like it, hmm. but it wouldn't be in my top ten. Oh, really? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's in quite a lot of people's top ten, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think, I, but I think a lot of that is down to the visuals, and I yeah. think it's the, the, and and as well the music. And I think it, it is a very extremely well put together episode hmm. in a in a port in a part of the of the of of Star Trek original series where. A lot of the time, there wasn't uh, that level of, it's, of. It's a very lumpy. Yeah, yeah. There's not much fat on this episode. No, not at all. No, I mean, and, and again, because of the of, of the of the budget that they that they had, but of course they did spend a bit of money in there because it's got a, it's one of the few episodes where it's got an original score. Yeah, and it really works really well, and it would have been diminished, I think, if it hadn't had the good fortune of being one of the ones that said, "Well, yeah, we'll do an original score for it," because they got a western style score to accompany it. Well, but which would, which was just so sort of quirky enough and otherworldly enough for it to be not quite Western. It's like a echoes of Western, mm. uh, and which I, which I can only hope that you know the composer looked at and thought, well, this is like an echo of a Western, so I should do a score that does that. That it isn't just like a full on like you know, well, dare I say, OK Corral, you yeah. know, or Wild Bunch Shabbats. Yeah, well, know. we did mention. I was going to actually go to, to, to Graham about this. I mean, the, the, the actual composer. Yeah. Yeah, well, the the Wild Bunch came out the following year, and he was doing he did the music for it, so he would have been doing the music for both of these at the same time. Uh, it was one of three scores I think that he got nominated for an Oscar for, 
um, along with the outlaw Josie Wales. So it was certainly a specialist as far as... Oh, so as he was in his ballpark. Yeah, well, it is definitely in his ball, ballpark. But I, I think the player piano piece in, yeah. in there is it, just brilliant. It's just, it's just a fantastic... Um, I think it is loosely based on an old song. Um, but I, I, I don't recognize right. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's certainly that's what that's what it's trying to evoke, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's a beautiful. I mean, the the, the romance, sort of like the love theme, um, um, between Sylvia and, and with Sylvia and Chekhov is it's beautiful, lovely tones, and it's a it's a really lovely uh, um, pastoral mm. um, score. It's 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 actually one of the better ones. It got um, I remember the, one of the first sound. Uh, um, Starship Vinyls I ever bought was a redoing of of the Spectre of the Gun done by London Philharmonic or something like that. They they slowed the tempo down ever so slightly, and it came out absolutely beautifully. Um, and it's a high point, of course. And of course, because it's original score, we hear it again and again and again throughout the course of the third season because <laughs> because that's what they did back then. Apart from the from, from from the ballroom, I don't think we ever heard that again, did we? No, I suspect we didn't hear the ballroom <laughs> again. No. He also did trouble with triples as well, didn't he? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, actually, no. I guess there's no right about it. You're quite right. He did do trouble with triples, and I guess there's echoes of that going on there. Is it a similar? Is it? It's kind of. Well, I don't know. Just, I mean, this is, it adds some to it, doesn't it? I think yeah. that's 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 the the the, the beauty of it. Well, obviously. Trouble with Troubles is largely played for laughs because yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a humorous but, episode. But, but this story isn't actually very humorous at all. Not at all. But there is humour in there, isn't there? I mean, Scotty allows, is, gets most of the funny lines. Yeah, but that's it? because of booze. <laughs> Scotty the Algarlic. Yeah. I must go over that. Oh, here we go. Scotty the Algarlic again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that, was quite, that was quite funny. It made, you, it made me think of you guys when we were, <laughs> we were thinking about that. But it is no. I mean, you're right. The, the tonally, this movie, this 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 episode is is, it's the it's the perfect idea of what Star Trek was supposed to be, and that's another reason why I like it so much, is because it was exa- if you go back to those, you know, when Roddenberry was talking about selling Star Trek to the network, was that he wanted to he sold it as wagon train to the stars. He sold it as like a a western in space, and that's what the networks were expecting. They were expecting action and adventure. Uh, but what they actually got was they got sort of like you know thoughtful intelligence, sometimes anti-war, sort of like you know political you know fables, um, and that that's not what they ordered, and 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 he had some trouble there. And Spectre the Gun is a perfect example of that, because it is this is a a a a, a, a resolutely anti-violence story, resolutely on the nose anti-violence story about the, about how human beings are capable of renouncing. And, and stepping away from violence, but but wrapped in one of the greatest f- gun battle fables in American history, <laughs> it was perfect for the networks. <laughs> but also, this was the interesting thing: it twisted it on its head, because for all of the other times that we'd actually, you know, or, or people had actually seen gunfight, the O Corral, OK Corral, the the Earp family or Wyatt Earp especially, were seen as heroes, great American heroes. Well, there were but, certainly the leading men were, were, were playing members of the Wyatt, yeah. of, of the Earp family, yes. But, well, I mean, the thing is, is that the, the, the thing with American sort of mythology that had been built up, 
you know, the, the idea about the Wild West and there are certain types of men who could actually right wrongs at the end of a gun, you know. This story doesn't do that. This actually changes, makes our, you know, our, our, our heroes into the villains, but who are also the victims, which I thought was actually very interesting. You know, and especially the Wyatt Earp, the Wyatt Earp and his crew were all dressed in black. Yeah, and they're all they're all unpleasant people. Yeah, and they're they're, they're supposed to be the good guys. Yeah, it's 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 interesting if you you think going back to 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 um, DeForest Kelly's role in Gunfight at the Oak Corral is Morgan Earp, and Morgan Earp is the first character of of the Earp brothers that we really see, and he's the guy who kills the 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 uh, the, the the guy um, in the Sorry. early scenes. No, he, he oh yeah, the first yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. first thing he does, isn't he? Yeah. he shoots someone in the back. Yeah, and he's the one who's well gets in the argument with him. Oh, you could, can you imagine DeForest Kelly playing that that role? And it's it's so it's a it's a very interesting sort of uh, uh, turn around there. Um, but yeah, you're right. It it is they they they've gone for the for the, for the black hat and white hat whole thing about about the story, but. The numerous, numerous retellings of of gunfight of uh, at the OK Corral um, over the years, and that 1957 one obviously is is the most famous one. But there was a couple of remakes in the 1990s. One with um, Kurt Russell and, uh, and Val, Val Kilmer. That's a cracking Tombstone. Movie, yeah. But also within a year of it, you had Kevin Costner's White Earp. Oh yeah, which uh, I've not seen it. Which so they they came up almost uh, well one after the other. And two years before this, Doctor Who did an episode. <laughs> they did, they did, yes, Doctor they Who, did. Doctor Who did an episode. <laughs> yes, fine, Derek. Right. Um, but um, and Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Yes, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, but it shows you how things move on because that nineteen fifty seven version very much a a, a romanticised version of of the uh, of of the shootout. Followed ten years later by a film called *The Hour of the Gun*, which uh, was directed by the same guy who did uh, *Gunfight at the OK Corral*, was a kind of sequel um, because this time he starts the film with a gunfight, and then it's the um, what happens to White Earp afterwards, and uh, it's James Garner who plays White Earp in 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 the film this time, uh, and which takes a much more um, realistic tone, much more factual based, whereas the original film just played fast and loose and just made a well, it made a Hollywood a, movie. Yeah, made a rip roaring western out of it, and and, and that's what 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 they should have done. So it's it's interesting that they come to this story a year after someone has brought out maybe something that's a bit more fact historically correct version, and then they come out with this version, which is. A surrealist version of it, or use it as a backdrop to to create. A, I wonder if that's an why, execution. I wonder whether or not the fact that that the third season they knew that the series was getting cancelled maybe gave them a degree of creative license that they could flip because this is a supposed to be a mainstream prime time TV show or was in the previous season. Like that would be quite controversial to flip a, 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 a well established American mm. folklore fable would have been quite controversial to yeah. do, right? 
So, and they got away with doing it. And is it because the networks weren't paying attention to them by now? Well, at this time, they'd moved this to the, to the graveyard slot yeah, at yeah. 10 o'clock. Because originally but it wasn't the graveyard slot, was it? It turned yeah, out it turns was, out it was actually a prime yeah. time slot. Yeah. But they didn't know that at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah so they didn't realise that... Star Trek is responsible for establishing, yeah. Yeah, establishing 9 o'clock on Friday as being actually time, prime time slot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was, as we've mentioned before, this was written by uh, Gene Kuhn. Mm. Um, and uh, the, the, the thing that I was reading up about Gene Kuhn himself, he, he ha- had quite progressive views anyway. Um, and he was more of a pacifist than, than probably Rudenbury sort of like had been sort of... Roddenberry, sorry, Roddenberry. <laughs> no, no, I think we prefer Rudenberry. <laughs> I, I like Rudenberry. I mean, he is. It's like a time of jam. I'd love to go and pick some Rudenberry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Roddenberry, Roddenberry, Roddenberry. But I was going to say, uh, Roddenberry. The the idea about he 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 has rewritten his history to make himself into this great progressive figure. But a lot of his stories that are uh, done in previous um, episodes, uh, the idea they were quite militaristic anyway. You know, he he would actually uh, have the thing about America or, or or Starfleet or whoever has the right to have to to win a war by force or, mm. or, or, or you know but Kuhn himself I mean it's been said that he's the one who actually created a, the, the sort of the tone of you know and, and this episode is definitely a pacifist episode yeah so, it most you know. definitely is a pacifist episode yeah because yeah. Kirk himself does not want to engage we can't you know. I mean, because one of the things that, that that was missing from the copy that I watched for over and over again when I was a teenager, when, and it was removed from the BBC cut, was an extended scene where he goes to confront the sheriff and asks him to intervene. And it gets much, much more emotional than I remember it, it mm. to be. And Kirk is saying, I can't. It's not, and he's, this, Kirk is scared. He thinks he's going to lose his life because he's going to get killed. And he can't fight back. He's powerless. He can't take a life. Now... I mean, I don't know whether that plays in with the general character arc of Kirk, but when we contextualise that into saying that these are still one-off anthology stories, for my money, original series is still an anthology series, you know, with very little character continuity going through. You know, I, I buy into that completely. Kirk, is, Kirk, Kirk cannot kill this, this guy. You know, he can't fight back because he's just not capable of it. You know, he's a soldier supposed to be a military man but 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 what we're seeing here is we're seeing this what is supposed to be the Roddenberry vision of humanity in the 23rd century and I wonder just to what extent in fact this is Gene Kuhn's actual vision and I wonder whether or not there's there's time to start thinking about that in terms of you know maybe reviewing the Gene Kuhn episodes reviewing the Gene Roddenberry episodes and maybe comparing them and seeing who, who, where the message was coming from? Who knows? I don't know. But I mean, it, it's a significant episode in that respect. Yeah, I think as well if you include the Dorothy Fontana episodes as well with Definitely. the Jim Coon one, because obviously she yeah. was working for Jim Coon yeah. as well throughout throughout the first two seasons. Then, then yeah, certainly. Yeah. Then that's you. You see where the real hub is. Yeah, where the where, where the real spirit. Is. Yeah, I There's, mean, you, you don't look to Omega Glory for 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 what you really Star, Star Trek is all about, do no. you? No, you really don't. No, and that, no, I mean that's just a ghastly episode, isn't it? I mean, but but I mean those three. We've said this before, I think, and we, it's worth repeating. Those three are the three sort of like corner 
cornerstones? Pillars? Pillars. Yeah. Three yeah. pillars of Star Trek's creative drive and what, what it what it means for it, which resonates all the way through now. But sadly, I think that unfortunately only one of them is credited with it. Whereas I think that to an extent Dorothy Fontana more so than Gene Coon, but I think that Gene Coon, I think to a degree needs to be revisited. His work needs to be mm. revisited. Certainly. And it's been a play it's it's in it was good and I'd forgotten that he wrote this and I just put this on last night and I forgot that he wrote this episode and 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 I and and that came through I think Graham's criticisms about the lack of the 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 ensemble the guest star is is valid it is weak it's interesting the way that they did it and I had imagined to modern to contemporary audiences that it would have been quite shocking to have Mm. seen the Earps portrayed in such a way and they did okay but there was an awful lot of glaring and a yeah. lot of acting going on. And they didn't have much to work with and there was very little time. But I guess they are fragments, they are figments, aren't they? Yes. So they're not, they're not people. So, so it, it would have actually, the narrative would have been messed up by it. It's yeah. like it's like it's like Mendes in Court Martial. It's yeah. too rounded a character just to be uh, to just to be an illusion. It doesn't make sense anymore. No, that's when you true. Get to the yeah, end, yeah. It disappears. Yeah. So these guys are more like holodeck characters, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 it is the first holodeck. It is episode. a holodeck episode. Yeah. yeah. No, you're quite right. It is. So it's not a bottle episode. You're right in certain respect. It is. It is a kind of a bottle episode, but it's a holodeck episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I think that the the actual spectres, the whole thing, the they, they, the whole thing is they're walking around. The the Enterprise crew are the humans, and the rest of them are just ghosts. Mm. They are just figments, mm. you know, including the stage, you know, and and we're also we got that trope as well from. Um, an alien which does look like an alien from the Outer Limits. That's the first <laughs> thing I saw it. Um, it's a quite a mass thing, isn't it? Well, <laughs> or, it's a cool alien. It's a cool alien. Yeah, yeah it's very you know very much like the HP Lovecraft alien, in fact. You know, which which Star Trek did actually pick up on quite a few yeah. times. Mm. But um, you know, going back to it, the, the trope about also having you know the Enterprise being the representations of hum- humanity and being on trial as well. That's a thing that we've seen so many times. Yeah. And I feel that this is the other part of this episode is, is one of those stories. You know, um, this test of humanity. The test yeah. of humanity. Yeah. 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 Paying yeah. for your sins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's the other reason why Kurt doesn't want to kill. He's been here before. He's been here before. <laughs> yeah. But it's also the idea that is this a test? You know? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you know. but it's it's interesting because in the in the, obviously in the climax when he has the option to kill, he takes the the gun out and he looks to and and he clearly you know is deciding to do it, and then it, and then it goes back to that the first thing they that Kirk says when when they arrive on the planet is to put tap these things and say remember these are the things that have been sent to that are being used to kill us. These are the instruments of our execution, mm-hmm. and to not trust them. Hugely powerful sentiment. Really powerful words. Love the the old tapping. And it's yeah, tapping of the gun just just to show how real it is. And and I think that's that's a a really nice nice touch. But I think what what you were saying, Derek, about about the whole thing about having been tested like this before. Contrast and compare this to to uh, Errand of Mercy. Very similar sort of thing being put in a situation by 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 super powerful aliens. 
and and being shambled to do and seeing Kirk's reaction to that. What do we do there? Yes. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, all about four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Let's yes, we'll be peaceful, shall we? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a pretty good point actually. Yeah, because like the Kirk from the first season, maybe yeah. well, it depends. Yeah. Aaron the Mercy Kirk. Corbin might manoeuvre Kirk would have yeah. been very, very different. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing, is that these characters, they do, they're not yeah. always in no, no, exactly, in, yeah. in, in how they're going. It does depend on how the, how the writers want to go. What story you, you want to tell. And what it? stories yeah. they want to tell. They are vessels to, to telling these stories rather than necessarily the, the which, reason for the story which themselves. Is, which, is, which shows that the, the, uh, the, the, the actors are doing really well to carry that off. As well. Yeah, to maintain consistent, yeah. to be consistent when they're yeah when they're when they're faced with those kind of challenges. Yeah, I mean, um, going back to the characters, the actors, the main actors that we have there, I think that most of them actually have a good bit of screen time there. Mm. You know, the, the the probably Scotty has his jovial. <laughs> you know, sort of drink up and get before functioning alcoholic, stereotypical functioning, yeah. sort of yeah, <laughs> Scottish alcoholic. But uh, I really did like the scene with uh, McCoy as well. When McCoy goes off by himself and he goes to look for some some chemicals, and he ends up in the bar uh, in the in the dentist's. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really good because you have our protagonist, who we find out is Doc Holiday, which is that twist bit right at the end. Yeah, um, he actually becomes more three-dimensional than the rest of his crew. Mm. You know, yeah, he's got better lines in that. He has in got that better one. lines, yeah. and, and, and more character and more threats as well. Mm. You know, I think the best of all the guest stars, it's it's Sylvia is the best guest star. Needless to say, it's the woman who's the who's the who's the best one who brings across the whole and the pain of the whole thing a lot better. The the humanity mm. and the sense of loss. Um, Bonnie Beecher. Um, do do we know who Bonnie Beecher's famous husband is? No. Wavy gravy. No way. <laughs> Really, yes. with a name like that, fantastic. Yeah, they've been they're married. Nice they've been married for over fifty years. Good. Yeah, so. Oh, how wonderful! Yes. Oh, cool. Oh, lovely. Bonnie Beecher and Wavy Gravy. And Wavy Gravy. Yes. Yeah. She. Fantastic. She uh, took his name, not Gravy. No, no his original <laughs> name, Romney. So. It's, yeah. so, um, so for the benefit of people who don't know, Wavy Gravy was the uh, head of security at Woodstock. <laughs> he was the only security. <laughs> he was the only security yeah, yeah. Look yeah, him up. Features, Look him up. Features heavily in the movie Woodstock, and also, you know, kind of makes the cameo appearance in an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Not really, but. Uh... <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else to add to this episode? Yeah, plenty. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. No, but I know what you're saying. You're looking at the clock on the wall, and I and I can understand yeah. what you're. That, that hovering clock. The hovering clock. The hovering yeah. clock hanging in space is is, yeah. is, 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 is beating us. We got. I mean, the mind meld sequence, I think, is really good. And I think that whole, again, the, the, the whole, you know, like what's real and what isn't real. And again, dealing with, with reality and what is reality. And, and, and the mind meld sequence, because it's the only scene in which Kirk and Spock ever mind meld. Ooh. Until you get to Star Trek uh, 09, if you count. Star so that was the time he popped his cherry. Mm. That was the first time, yeah. That's, so, that, so I thought, and I think that that was... That was quite good, and I really, I did enjoy the 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 interplay. The fact that they had, they took a moment to reflect on Chekhov's death, death, and the way the different characters reacted to Chekhov's death, and the fact that they kind of dumped on Spock, and then were immediately felt crap because that line, you know, they forget that I'm half human, 
I mean, yes, you're right. You know, it, it, it's you know they should maybe they should know McCoy should certainly know by now. But I thought it was consistent character play because McCoy has always been digging and roughing yeah. on, on on Spock all the way through and always been getting angry with him, and maybe could actually forget that actually. But then, and then I thought the reaction from McCoy and, and Scotty was quite good that they 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 could see that they you know that that Spock in his own way was was dealing with the grief of this, but just doing it in his own. Vulcan way, and I enjoyed that. And I, I, I enjoyed. It was a rare moment where Kirk was doubting his decision. He said, "We should never have come down here. When I could have, we could have just, we could have just not come here, and then this wouldn't have happened." And I, I, I really like that scene. And there's a, I think that that's why I'm not too unhappy about the 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 guest stars not being too strong, because this is a really, really this is the this is the Starfleet led episode, mm. and it's just nice to see some fleshing out of the of the the minor characters. A little bit. It's probably the most Scotty's had to do in most episodes that they've been in. There is another way of looking at it, and there's the fact that the, because the, the the aliens have taken uh, um, Kirk and they said, right, this is your your experience is what is going to decide this. Well, I'm paraphrasing there, but um, that it is actually only Kirk that's involved, mm. and all the other uh, ensemble characters are actually in his mind about how they react with each that other and so so that that's yeah. another way you can look at it and yeah. say, so but adding to the whole sort of the, the whole of reality of what is right and what is what is actually happening well, and he actually figures his own way out because yes. he, he develops a, a because he imagines up a, a mind map with, with Spock to get himself out of this well, situation what, what? yeah <laughs> well what they also another thing that they might have been quite interesting to have done was to have taken the the guest star cast uh, and then make them the Clantons, and then take the on the, take the Starfleet lot and make them the Earps, so mm. that you're fighting against your own people. Yeah. So uh, in a kind of you know, which which I, I, actually kind of reminds me of Fistful of Data's actually. So now that we mention it, yeah, but they would have been thirty years earlier, wouldn't they? Yes. Well, Spockers, Spockers like Morgan Earp or something like that would have been, or Doc Holliday would have been. But cool, yeah, yeah, but uh, but it is feeding into that whole holodeck episode. Yeah, Max, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're moving into massive fan fan yeah, um, fiction here. I, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon next gen fans would get a lot out of this. I, I think you're right. I yeah. like to think so. Yeah. I think it's a strong episode. It's a really strong episode, and it's proper trek, and and it's and it, and, and and you know it, it overcomes its technical limitations. Yeah, really ignoring well. a warning boy. That's totally uh, yeah, original massively. series. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> massively original series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, telling us to stay away. No, 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 don't worry about that. <laughs> Well, I have my orders. That's only advisory. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you always follow orders, don't you? <laughs> uh, I was actually going to say, you, you, you said about this episode is 30 years too too early. It is actually, because the original script of this actually explains, because the, the, the um, I forgot what they're called again. The, the um, Mel- Melkots. The Melkotians. Melkotians, yes, are extremely powerful telepaths. And the idea is is that they got this punishment from the mind of Kirk, and you know his, but it was actually mainly the mind of Kirk. But the original screenplay was that they had actually received loads of um, broadcasts from uh, Earth. Yeah. And it would have been loads of uh, films and TV. Oh, so the, but that that also feeds in with the uh, with the Squire of Gotham. Squire of Gotham, yeah. 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 And also yeah. even better, 
Galaxy Quest. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah no, so 13 years yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, and originally it was going to be called The Last Gunfight, mm. was, was the story for this. But uh, I think that the spectre of the gun is, is actually a, 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 oh, it's a much better name. Much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, sort of Star Trek does do very good <laughs> you know, uh, titles for their episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that we should add to this? Besides go and watch it? You know, Graham, did you actually go back and see if there was anything different with the... Well, the, uh, the Space Boy, obviously. Space that's, Boy that's, is that's, yes. the, that's the Morning Boy is, is different. Um, not, 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 not a million miles, but they've obviously um, gone with, with what was there before and, uh, and fleshed it out a bit more. They made it some sort of bedside yeah. ornament. A nice, uh, there's a nice beauty pass right at the beginning as well. Uh, of the Enterprise. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah which, which, uh, which, which is lovely. Um, uh, yeah, the, but uh, yeah, it's it's not that intrusive, and uh, I don't think it was, anything in there in the newer version was 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 too terrible. I mean, uh, the um, the Kirk Jitsu and in, in, in the in the fight scene at the end. Yeah, do we need to say anything about that? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like we we are contractually obliged to have a fist fight at the end of every episode of Star Trek, and so this is going to be it. And I mean, it wasn't necessary. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was necessary that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, they're not. It's not perfect storytelling. It's it is a late sixties, you know, low budget episode, a science fiction episode, and it has to be treated in context. So I mean, it's flawed, but. You know, the, I mean, the as, fellow uh, who played Morgan Earp re- returned in the films as well. Uh, what he, films? Uh, he returned. He was John in Star Trek V. Oh, was he? <laughs> who the hell is John in Star Trek V? <laughs> this would have been on the um, uh, in that cantina type place, was it? Morgan Earp, yeah. Yeah. Rex Holman. Yeah. He's not even. On, he's not even got a Wikipedia entry. No. Yeah. Rex Holman yeah, is in. He turns up in in Star Trek Five. There he is. Oh my God! Oh! Oh my God! That's him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea. You're a Vulcan. Oh no! <laughs> there you oh, go. That's blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that has completely blown my now mind. That, you've won. You've won this yeah, episode. You've hey! won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I'd got there with uh, with with Wavy Gravy's wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. True. Yeah, you got a hat trick. You got you got the um, um, the uh, wild bunch as well. So. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a drubbing lens. It's a drubbing. <laughs> Okay, I need to go away and think about that. <laughs> you need to process <laughs> that. Go there and reflect on that. It's amazing. <laughs> and so, and so, dear listeners, we're going to go away and ponder, <laughs> ponder what we've learned from this episode. Yeah, <laughs> there's all kinds of things we could have taken away from this episode. There's anti-violence. You know, there's the the nature of Star Trek. There's the nature of humanity. But the biggest takeaway is that the guy who played Morgan Earp also is the guy in, is that guy from Star Trek 5. With the bad teeth. With the bad teeth. <laughs> at the right at the beginning. Yeah, that's just something else. And that's why we love doing this podcast. Indeed. For, for ourselves and for you. 
Well, we've had a, a lovely time going through this episode, and uh, thank you very much for my uh, the ex-host Terry, uh, who's let me have a, a try. But I'm sure that um, you know normal um, broadcasts will nope. be back again. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is it from now on. From now on. <laughs> and watch the figures go even further down. <laughs> what figures? But if you've enjoyed this episode, um, please. Share it, like it on the social medias and uh, our, our web page. Put up a review for us, please, because I mean we need all the help we've we. You're a Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're a Vulcan. <laughs> and. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, please give us a five-star review on any of your favourite social medias and podcatchers and podcasters and whatever the hell you uh, listen to this on uh, and come back again because we're going to have some even better hot takes. What are we discussing next time then, Derek? Yeah, what are we doing next time, Derek? Ah, well next time, a straight lead into this, we're going to go into Star Trek V. We are motion now. picture. <laughs> Yes, because I mean, it's this, is what, this is what we've been. Sequel. What have I done? This is what Terry's been doing uh. for ages, and now that he's given me the hosting duty, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listeners, come back and listen to. Well, hopefully, you might be able to stump viewing Star Trek V first before you listen to this, because we've got to do it. So, if we're going to have go through that pain, you should share too. Um, so it's goodbye from me, Derek, and it's goodbye from Terry. Goodbye. And goodbye from Graham. Goodbye. There we go. Well done, Del. <sighs> the sickly-